You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the Post's newsroom to life on stage. Colorado Governor Jared Polis joins the Post to discuss how his state is coping with the coronavirus, the new restrictions he put into place, and his hope that the recent vaccine news may mean the pandemic is nearing an end. Let's listen. Hello, I'm Robert Costa, national political reporter at the Washington Post. Welcome back to Washington Post Live. Today, we continue our series on the pandemic leadership during crisis. Our guest is Colorado's Democratic Governor, Jared Polis. Governor Polis, thank you so much for being here. A pleasure to be on the show, Robert. Governor, I covered you in the House and you are familiar with Washington. You have a lot of friends in the city. You just got off a phone call with President-elect Joe Biden and Vice President-elect Kamala Harris here on Thursday afternoon. Can you update us about how that went and how you feel about the Biden plan? Well, uh, really, this what this was was the bipartisan executive committee of the National Governors Association. So it was, uh, I believe, eight of us, four Democrats, four Republicans. Uh, really, a lot of of common ground uh, that was was shared about where we are as a nation. First of all, uh, we really feel that we can't wait uh, until the next administration to get some of what needs to happen done now. So that means there's work ahead for the current Congress, uh, coronavirus relief bill, uh, the side around vaccine distribution, testing, uh, economic aid that gives governors and mayors and counties the the breathing room to take health measures that will save lives uh, without uh, foregoing the opportunity for families to support themselves. And then we talked about the big picture going forward, how President Biden, President-elect Biden can help schools return safely so that kids don't miss out on a full year of learning, how we can make sure we fill any parts that are left on the federal coronavirus response uh, when the new administration takes uh, takes office in Washington. Governor, Republicans were on the call, Republican state executives, Republican governors. Did they acknowledge on the call that President-elect Biden is President-elect Biden, and are they working with him to try to come up with a plan on things like vaccine distribution? Uh, Yes, I believe that's why they were on the call, to brief the president-elect, the vice president-elect, as well as several members of his uh, COVID-19 task force that were on the call as well. And so uh, I think the, uh, the Republican and the Democratic governors really were all largely speaking from the same page about our hopes uh, for the Biden administration. So those are your hopes, but what are your fears, if any, about this current period under President Trump between now and the inauguration when it comes to the pandemic? You know, it's it's a long two months, Robert, uh, and we can't afford to wait on a lot of these items. This pandemic, uh, it moves fast. The virus spreads exponentially. Uh, there needs to be a, a testing surge. There needs to be the ability to support folks who have to stay home because of great health risk. We need to distribute the vaccine. Largely, those first do- doses will occur under this this president, hopefully in the next few weeks. So there's a lot of work ahead. Uh, it's it's going to be a long 60 days till uh, we can have the, the honor of being able to work with uh, an administration that will value professionalism and incompetence uh, more than the current one. So what is it like right now to be a governor facing all of this in terms of the federal response? We know Congress hasn't acted on a stimulus yet, but what about the task force? They're going to be holding a briefing this afternoon. Are you engaged in any way with the federal government, with the Trump administration? Who do you feel like you have a good faith relationship with? Who do you maybe have some some concerns about? 
Oh, we certainly uh, are in constant discussion and dialogue with Dr. Burks, Dr. Fauci. Dr. Burks was here in Colorado about a week ago. Um, they provide uh, state-specific recommendations. We are also, along with many other states, stepping up as a state, meaning we have to do what we can. No state has the resources of the federal government, uh, but we, I just call, I'm calling a special session of the state legislature to work with help for some of the hardest hit businesses like restaurants and bars, uh, as well as rental assistance, childcare help, uh, those sorts of things that simply, simply can't wait till the federal government gets their act together, which we hope occurs sooner rather than later. Do you see a state stimulus of some sort emerging in the coming weeks? Yeah, we we proposed a, a, a you know by federal standards a modest state stimulus. It's about 1.4 billion tax relief, investment in shovel ready infrastructure. Effectively uh, working with the ledge, we're looking at moving up a, a few hundred million of that, two, three, four hundred million to really do in the next few weeks. Uh, the shovel ready projects part, we can wait until the legislature convenes in their normal session, which is January. But uh, we do have a one-time fund carry forward to be able to help Colorado recover a little bit sooner than hopefully some of the other states can. How much is Colorado looking for in 2021? If let's say it's President Biden, uh, February 1st, 2021, and you're all talking about a stimulus package, what does Colorado need? Can you give me a number? Well, I, I think that, well, I, again, I, I hope it's before January 20th, Robert, uh, really much of it needs to, to occur. A lot of our small businesses, uh, restaurants, uh, bars, just won't be able to make it to then. Uh, and, and frankly, a lot of folks who rely on unemployment, that emergency unemployment runs out in late December. So, uh, and that means rent. And, you know, once people, if we have this, this eviction crisis, it could lead to a foreclosure crisis. We all remember the 08 meltdown, that was a long tail on that foreclosure crisis. Remember 09, 10, neighborhoods boarded up, lawns dying, houses being auctioned off, a slow workout. If we don't want to create a banking crisis, if we don't want to create a foreclosure crisis, we need to help renters now over these very difficult next few months to bridge until the vaccine. So frankly, uh, you know, February, March, I'm sure there'll be some action for Congress to take, but it's simply too late for the biggest part of it, which we really need Congress to get done uh, in the immediate future. You're a Democratic governor with a business background. When you're talking to business leaders in Colorado, what are their concerns at this critical juncture? You speak their language, you know their, their issues. What are they worried about as winter approaches? I think businesses all want to do the right thing. And frankly, what the Paycheck Protection Program did is it afforded them that space to do that. Um, without that federal aid, uh, of course, they prioritize you know, being able to meet payroll, keeping the lights on, and they're going to do what it takes to do that. But if we give them that space through another federal PPP or program like that, uh, I'm confident that they are good partners in working to keep uh, working to keep their workers and customers safe. So, why is there a surge in outbreaks in your state? What's going on? Well, you're seeing a national surge in outbreaks, uh, really, in I think either nearly every state across the country, 48, 49. Uh, this one is centered in the upper Midwest. We're kind of on the edge of, of that geographic area of the current outbreak. It'll be a matter that scientists will debate for years. You know, why New York then? Why North Dakota now? Why Arizona then? I uh, Nobody has, the, the book hasn't been written on that yet, but all we do know is that our region, uh, is experiencing uh, the biggest outbreak that any region has seen since the start of the pandemic. But what are your scientific advisors telling you? I mean, are you learning anything about why it's happening in certain places, how it's spreading? 
Yeah, we know a lot about how it's spreading. We don't know why it, it it's, has a regional peak in, in New York at one time, and Arizona in another, and and you know Minnesota in a different one. We certainly know how it's spreading. Um, large uh, and small informal gatherings, families mixing together um, on the informal side. Where is a place that that can and does occur? You know, restaurants and bars. That's why, while it's really frustrating, we're left with kind of what we do have authority over, which are the formal businesses. We don't have you know no no government is saying who neighbors meet with, but we're trying to send the message, please stick with your own household, right? I mean, now's the time to cancel playdates, uh, to not uh, go to a neighborhood barbecue, to avoid recreating with others or inside, outside of your household. Uh, that's the biggest takeaway uh, from the data. We're able to have a little bit more official uh, oversight over those uh, commercial gathering places, which have stronger safety protocols. But uh, you know, in terms of messaging around what people do in their own personal lives, it's a matter of personal responsibility and we're asking Coloradans and frankly Americans to step up, be responsible, save lives. But how do you define being responsible? Here in Washington, and I'm sure in Colorado, there's sometimes confusion about what the government expects in terms of guidelines. For Thanksgiving, for example, if people sit outside but don't go inside, is that fine? Should they just avoid congregating in any way? even if outside, what would you say to a person in your state if they said, I need some clarity on Thanksgiving, Governor? Very simply, uh, safest thing to do is to observe this Thanksgiving holiday with your own nuclear family. Um, second safest thing to do, and many Coloradans are doing this, is they're doing voluntary quarantines ahead of getting together with other family members. They would have had to have started that a few days ago. They're not going out, they're staying at home, uh, and they, they wanna make sure that they're safe uh, doing that. Um, if there have to be these kind of get-togethers, uh, we would recommend that outside is better than inside uh, and socially distance is certainly better than not. But I know many Coloradans are just taking this holiday with their nuclear family. That's what I'm doing with, you know, I, I haven't been able to see my parents in six months. Uh, I know a lot of folks are, are going through that right now. They haven't been able to see their grandkids in six months and we're not getting together this Thanksgiving as much as we'd love to. We want my parents who are 76 to be there for our kids who are nine and six to grow up, to graduate high school, to get married, and hopefully be great grandparents someday. You've extended the mask mandate in your state for 30 days. What else is on your table as a tool in terms of executive action for the coming weeks as winter takes over Colorado? Yeah, the, the mask, uh, the, the, we have good mask wearing here in Colorado. It's absolutely helped relative to states that don't, uh, areas of our state with, with, with more mask wearing. We've encouraged it. It's required in certain settings, namely indoors around others. Uh, we are working on a county by county basis. The virus is at a different, just like uh, the country's big and there's places that are hot spots and others that aren't. Uh, our state is large and some areas are safer than others. So uh, there's different types of safety protocols in different places, but no matter where you live, and this isn't just in Colorado, it's across the country or across the world, the simply best decision you can make for yourself and for your community is to avoid socializing with people outside of your household these next few weeks. Wear a mask when you're around others, wash your hands whenever you get back from any kind of errand, keep those errands to the bare minimum. Uh, and you know, let's get through this. We've seen some governors with new stay-at-home orders, so-called lockdown orders, catch a lot of flack from some people in their respective states. I'm intrigued by this recent call you had with governors uh, from around the country with President-elect Biden. Is there any discussion, privately or publicly, about having more collective action on possible stay-at-home orders in the coming weeks in order to share the political burden? 
There wasn't any discussion about that on the call. Uh, certainly, the uh, the president's incoming president-elect uh, coronavirus task force was was listening on the call as well. Uh, I talked and, and Governor Baker as well about the need to get kids safely back to school. We want the help of the uh, incoming administration so that kids don't miss a whole year of education. Here in Colorado, probably like most places in the country, some schools have been in, some haven't, some have been in and out. Um, but but many kids in our state, um, including most of the kids in urban areas, have largely had to be online for the first semester. And that's been very difficult for many families, not just difficult for the kids, difficult for a single mom who who is unable to work to support herself to put food on the table. We've done some, we've eased some regulations and restrictions around how pods are formed and we're trying to fill in the holes as best we can. But it's certainly tough. Um, there, there, you know, we, we appreciate any support from this administration or the next around benchmarks and, and goals and how we can have the very best science informing our decisions. We have great chief medical officer, great state epidemiologist in our state, but we certainly appreciate, appreciate the, uh, the greater capabilities of the United States of America, the CDC, uh, the FDA and others with regard to presenting the best science to decision makers on the ground. On the topic of schools, Governor Polis, how do you manage that as a governor? Schools are so decentralized in terms of who runs them, often run at a local level. The Department of Education has very little power uh, beyond maybe setting benchmarks or guidelines. And if you look at school closures around the country and perhaps in Colorado, different levels of testing and uh, positive tests mandate school closures. It's, it's arbitrary across the board or at least different. How are you dealing with that? school issue in Colorado when the districts want to probably have more say than your your respective office? It's very localized. You're correct. And and we have elected school boards. I think they do in, in, in most states. In our state, they decide uh, what schools to run where and uh, what the schedule looks like and, and everything else. Uh, what we can do is two things. One is sort of encourage them, present the very best science, which uh, shows that uh, at least for the younger kids, K-5, even K-8, uh, it is a relatively low health risk for uh, teachers and for students and families for them to be in person. Some are hybrid, meaning they're in smaller class sizes two days a week. It's certainly better than the not being in. But it's also about providing the teachers, the schools, the uh, districts, the resources they need to get back. And so we've been sending one uh, medical grade mask per week per teacher to every uh, school and every teacher in the state. Um, you know, teachers who do want to wear those. Uh, can have the same level of protection as nurses on a COVID ward uh, with a medical grade masks. So uh, really, uh, we'd love to see the federal step up, government step up and do more, one a week um, in the scheme of things, certainly better than none, but they're not, you know, they're, they're only used for a day by nurses in COVID wards. We'd love to get to the point where teachers are able to have a medical grade mask every day. I, I should say at least teachers that desire that extra level of safety and security. Some some would use it and some wouldn't, uh, and some you, but uh, certainly within the school environment, our students and teachers wear some kind of mask, and that's a big part of successfully reducing transmission as well. What's the position of the teachers' unions in Colorado? Uh, are they leaning against reopening? H how does that factor play into your life day to day? The school districts that have been successful in returning to in-person instruction, many since the beginning of the year, have strong partnerships with their union and their boards, and so they've been able to do that. Uh, there are, um, you know, so I would encourage dialogue on both sides. That means that districts, of course, that want to be back need to need to, of course, reach out to their teachers and involve them from the early stages about the planning. And of course, teachers should work with their district about the goal of getting back so students can have in-person instruction. But we have a number of success stories in our state, uh, and we also have districts that have had very little in-person instruction this year. 
has the vaccine news been a double-edged sword in the sense that maybe some people in Colorado have let their guard down on social distancing in the wake of the news? Well, I, I hope it's a, really a message to redouble our efforts, because frankly, if, if this is interminable and goes on for years, I, I don't think people have the perseverance to get through. But if we see that light at the end of the tunnel and, and it's there and Colorado will hopefully get its first doses in the next few weeks with availability for the general public early next year, uh, I think people know that we just have to make these sacrifices of not socializing with others, uh, of wearing a mask for just a few more months here to get through this difficult period to bridge until a very effective vaccine can be successfully administered to enough Coloradans and Americans to make a difference. What about if Coloradans don't want the vaccine, the so-called anti-vax uh, crowd? What's your message to them? Well, I, we, you know, it's similar to all, all vaccines. We certainly encourage people to get a safe and effective vaccine. The vast majority of Coloradans will, will, will do so, just as we have uh, majority of folks get you know, inoculated for measles and uh, measles, mumps, rubella. Doesn't mean there's never measles outbreaks or mumps outbreaks. You know, there are folks who don't get inoculated. They are at greater risk. There's no question about it. Uh, but I think it will make tremendous progress on the public health goal, which means not overcrowding our hospitals. Uh, I think, and scientists agree, that coronavirus is going to be here for the indefinite future, right? I mean, even with a 94% efficacy rate, I mean, 6% people, 6 of the people might get infected. It's not going to become extinct, but the numbers will be uh, far more manageable. They won't threaten our hospital capacity, and they won't threaten the way we live our lives in terms of setting off an exponential growth curve that leads to additional death. What is the hospital capacity right now in Colorado? Well, we have about 1,300 um, current patients with COVID-19. That's both ICU and non-ICU. Uh, like most states, we have a uh, current hospital capacity, and then we have a surge hospital capacity. We have a number of areas of our state that have already activated their surge, meaning the hospitals have opened additional wings, put in additional beds. Uh, after that surge, we've also, like many other states, created what we call alternative care sites. Uh, these are not emergency care or ICU facilities, but they are facilities that oxygen can be administered, which is the frontline treatment for COVID. Uh, and if those need to come online uh, after the surge on the hospital side, we'll be ready to do so. Let's talk a little politics for a moment. I'm trying to better understand as a reporter, Colorado, it's moving blue. You had Senator Gardner, a Republican, defeated by Senator-elect Hickenlooper, the former governor. Uh, but you also have Senator Michael Bennett, a more centrist Democrat yourself, a former businessman as governor, though progressive in, in many of your, your positions and values. What is happening in Colorado? Why is it moving toward the Democrats in ways that other states are not in the region? Well, we've had uh, by far the largest uh, group of Colorado voters, a strong plurality are unaffiliated with either major party. I believe it's about 41%, so a major plurality. Uh, after that, uh, Democrats outnumber Republicans by uh, you know three per three percent or so. so I, I think the biggest thing is President Trump's brand of politics does not play well here uh, in an educated state, a thoughtful state. Uh, frankly, it's a state that values competence um, and pragmatism, I think above ideology. And so that 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 base message that President Trump ran on and exudes, you know, has a following here, of course, you know, and he got he got what he got, but he, he did lose by 13, 14 points because uh, people really value above and beyond ideology, just a sense of competence and pragmatism. It was about a 55, 42 President-elect Biden's victory in Colorado last time 
I checked. You're a former House member. I remember covering you in the House. And uh, one thing I always remember uh, when you were Congressman Polish, you always wore uh, sneakers, colorful sneakers on the House floor. Um, now you're governor. What's your though your perspective on the Democrats losing part of their House majority? What happened in the House, and what what's the message your party should take away? Well, if you have any newly elected House members that are watching this and looking for tips, here's the tip: the uh, the, the parliamentarians and the sergeant at arms give you a hard time if you wear colorful sneakers, but if you wear subtle black sneakers that sort of blend in and look a little bit like dress shoes, they won't give you a hard time. And so I learned to wear black sneakers by the end of my tenure uh, service in the United States Congress. Um, it's gonna be a narrower majority uh, for uh, Speaker-elect Pelosi uh, to manage. Um, it's gonna be I, I, very, very close in the Senate as well. We, we all, you know, at 50-50 to 48-52, depending on the outcome of the Georgia elections, but either way, uh, I think there's a upside and a downside. I think the upside is, it's a mandate for bipartisanship. I think the the nation, the voters, spoke very clearly. They want us to work together. They want Democrats and Republicans to work together. They want the House and Senate and President to work together. Uh, and uh, I, I hope that uh, all of the elected leaders in both of the both chambers take that take that to heart and, and and get to work for what we need to do to to get America out of some of our darkest days. Do you think Congress can function in 2021, or or is it going to be gridlock? Well, of course, I'm optimistic that they can function. I think there's a great bipartisan opportunity to respond on coronavirus, uh, to help uh, lead this economic recovery uh, on the wake of a successful health recovery with the vaccine being implemented. So I have high hopes that, uh, that folks can work together across the aisle to really get some big things done for our country. And there's really no one better than President-elect Biden to bring folks together. You might recall, Robert, when uh, and, you know, I was I was in office during President Obama's tenure. When things got tough legislatively, when they had a difficult time forging deals and getting things done, who did they send in? Not President Obama, who frankly, from a legislative perspective, sometimes while he was incredibly eloquent with the general public, could put his foot in his mouth and get in his own way in terms of building legislative majorities. They would send in Vice President Biden. So this is who they send in to seal the deal, to get things done. He, he knows how to do that. He has the relationships. Uh, and I think he'll succeed in his new capacity. No, that's true. And I remember staking out um, Leader McConnell's office and VP Biden at the time would often duck into McConnell's office for these budget negotiations. But I wonder, Governor Polis, in terms of President-elect Biden's mandate, perhaps he may believe he has a mandate to do a stimulus package, to do bipartisan infrastructure. But do you believe he also has a mandate to pursue, say, a public option on health care and make that a priority in 2021? Or should he stick more to coronavirus stimulus and just keeping the government functioning? Well, look, we are focused at the state level and doing what we can to save people money on health care. We um, have been working on a Colorado option and public option, additional choices in health care for uh, our first two years. We're, we're obviously continuing to focus on that and, and hope to be able to deliver that. I think the biggest difference in health care will be an administration that on the executive side wants to make Affordable Care Act work and expand it rather than one that seeks to undermine it and eliminate it. So there's a lot that can be done through executive action just to make our day-to-day -day success with the Affordable Care Act more at the state level for small businesses and for individuals. So there's ample opportunity there, uh, even if they're unable to get a ambitious uh, healthcare proposal through a divided Congress. So you're talking to the president-elect on a conference call with governors, you're dealing with the coronavirus in your state, 
you're plugged in on many levels. However, President Trump continues to refuse to concede the election. He continues to contest in different states, and he's even calling local officials in states like Michigan, uh, raising uh, baseless claims of voter fraud. What is your view of the state of American democracy and of what President Trump is doing after the election? Well, well, like like a lot of folks, you know, and certainly my 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 family and friends, uh, we really can't wait till we no longer have to pay any attention to uh, President Trump because he'll be former President Trump. Uh, unfortunately, he is still President Trump for sixty days, so we do have to pay attention to him, uh, and our nation depends uh, on it. So I'm, of course, I'm hopeful that they work with the Biden administration, incoming administration, sooner rather than later. Uh, hopefully, that'll happen at the latest when the Electoral College actually casts their votes. Although. Uh, from a functional perspective and a transitional perspective, even if the Trump administration wants to call it contingency planning, they at least owe it to the country to plan for that contingency of a Biden administration coming in. Final question here, Governor Polis, a Colorado-related question. Told a couple of my colleagues I was going to interview you this afternoon, and they said, what's going to happen with ski season in Colorado? So give us the, a blunt answer here. What is going to happen with ski season? Our, uh, you know, world-class uh, mountain areas had a great summer season, safe place for visitors from Texas, California, New York, uh, coming to Colorado in the great outdoors. We have several resorts that have already opened their ski season. Uh, depending on the snow, Robert, we, we expect to have a, a good ski season. Um, and of course, the mountain part is is what's safe. Um, it's who you ski with. If you ski with people you travel with and, and, and that are part of your family or your group, uh, outdoors, relatively safe. If you've been skiing, you know what I mean. The different part, like anywhere in the country, is uh, if you're coming to a ski area for late night parties uh, in large groups and bars, uh, this is not the ski season for you. It's not the time for you. Uh, we need to put off partying until we're through this. So uh, the on-mountain activity, very safe. Uh, some of the same types of precautions that you're seeing across the country in terms of restaurants and, and bars and, and, and the nightlife. But you still encourage people to come to Colorado to ski? If your goal is the athletic uh, part of skiing, the downhill experience, the wind rushing uh, in your in your face, uh, absolutely. Being outdoors and skiing or snowboarding is a, uh, a relatively safe activity to do. And uh, it was a, a big part of our uh, summer experience. And, and we're just coming online with what we hope to be a, a fun and safe ski season. Uh, and it's just a matter of what folks do after the end of the ski day uh, to help them stay safe. Governor Polis, thanks so much for coming by. And maybe you can stop by Washington at some point and give those tips to the new members of the House on shoes and how it all works. Governor Polis, Good thank luck. you very much. Thank you. Thanks for listening. To hear more interviews from this series and other Washington Post Live programs, visit us at WashingtonPostLive.com.